All right, here we are, uh, all the way into the end of February. Tomorrow is a brand new month. Isn't it funny how we do that? We're so linear in our thinking that, you know, we got the first, it's on a Monday. It's like a brand new, it's almost like you're turning a page. It's almost something's new, right? I hope you keep that thought in mind through this entire service this morning, because what I really want to do is convince you to do something new. I want you to turn a page. I want you to do something different. Jesus used, because of the time he lived, he used a, a visual representation of that when he, he talked about wineskins. And for most of us, you know, that's not something we think about or very few of us probably, none of you grow grapes, right? <laughs> I don't know if they even grow in Missouri for real. Growing, growing up in California, it's, you see them all the time. But, but I'll tell you this, something that, you know, as, as you grow up and, and read the scriptures, you'll see that was a huge part of their life. And he uses this as an illustration that would have been very familiar to them. And he told them, you cannot put new wine in an old wineskin. And maybe you don't know that illustration because that's not something we live with day to day like they did. But the, basically the way it works is if you have an older wineskin, that leather that they would put it in would ultimately get, get hard and it would get brittle. So if you put new wine in there, the process of the fermentation, it would start to expand. And so that new wineskin had some flexibility to be able to contain the new wine. If it didn't, if you put new wine in an old wineskin, it would burst it and waste everything, the wineskin and the, the wine. It had something to do with what was new. And what Jesus was doing is as he came, he was introducing the kingdom of God and he kept saying, it used to be like this, but now it's like this. You have once heard it was like this, but now I'm saying it's like this. Then he would say the kingdom of God is like, and he would tell story after story. And what he was trying to get them to understand is there is a new thing coming and it will not fit in the old. Now, I know some of you here are thinking, well, wait a minute, that was 2,000 years ago. What could be new today? So much is new. And what happens is, for most of us, it gets to be new all the time. There's a, there's a guy that talks about the fact that, you know, I think about kid, you know, young people, and, and I remember I had teachers where they would say things like, you know, you get to school on Monday, and they'd say, well, did everything leak out from Friday? <laughs> then they would start teaching, and I realized it kind of did. That's what happens to us. Even if you know all of this, God bless you if you do. I don't, I don't. But even if you knew everything God wanted and expected out of us, the fact is we need to be reminded of things. And he does do new things. He does new things all the time. The difference is a lot of times we're not ready for new or we liked it how it was or we're just not wanting to move. And because of that, new is hard. New is difficult. I'm wondering how you're doing with the vision of the church. God, others in a hurting world. Connecting, connecting. Love God, love others. I want to encourage you, even if you're watching online or here in the house, to use the YouVersion Bible app. Somebody asked me the other day, do you get any kickbacks off of that? No, none at all. Zero. None. I just use it because it works and I like it. That's kind of how I am. I'm very pragmatic. If something works, I'll use it. If it doesn't, I won't. This works. So if you, if you have a Bible app you like, good, use that. I'm just saying use something that works. This Bible app, the reason we use it, we, we are a, a lot of us, like it's a little over 100 of us are doing a Bible reading plan with it, which is good. It keeps you in the scriptures and reading. But then also I put our notes in there for every Sunday. So if you're here and you go to the, uh, go to the menu and hit on events, it'll pop right up. If you're watching online, just put the zip code in 64064, and it'll come up. 
And as you do that, you'll see that there's links for things as I talk about these things today, things that would be helpful for you. Think about how we're designed to connect. Last week, I used the illustration of a Lego and how it doesn't serve any purpose by itself, but when it works with other Legos, it has purpose. And I think about that. For all of us, we are designed for meaningful relationships. If you didn't get that last week, I really want you to understand this. And the new thing I want you to do is I want you to step into a new relationship with God. I want you to commit to that. I want you to commit to that today. A deeper new relationship with God. And then also new relationships with people here. It's interesting because when God created us, he created us as individuals. But then as you read scripture, sometimes he's talking to a group and sometimes he's talking to an individual. Now, as Americans, we're probably some of the most individualistic thinking people on the planet. And so we read everything as individual. And that's okay. But the fact is, there's things as God wants to address to us, and he wants us to get this. I know that um, as a church, I know a lot of you. I'm that guy that wants to actually have a personal relationship with everyone. And I know that's not possible, but I want to. But I know you. I know this church, this group, and God wants a relationship with this group of people, and it's meaningful. But he also wants a relationship with every single one. Now, I've known people based on just their personality. Maybe they just had a low self-esteem. I've known people who maybe things that they'd done in their past, they felt like they were second-class Christians. They felt like they weren't quite the same. They look around a room like this, and, and uh, you know, you all look nice. You, you take care of yourselves, and you dressed up for today, and you, you, you present yourself in a way that, for some people, they probably think that you have no issues, no problems. They probably think that you're super close to God, and there's some people who think they can never be as close to God as you, just because they've seen you here. But if we're honest with ourselves and with God, we know that we all struggle. We all have sin and shortcomings. We just don't broadcast them all the time, right? You're supposed to say yes, because that's you, okay. What I do not want you to think is that God doesn't want a personal relationship with you because he values that. He wants that with you, to know you. In the garden, after Adam and Eve sinned, there's a, it's a very sad scripture, and it's Genesis 3, chapter 8, or verse 8, and it says that, that God is walking in the garden and he calls out to Adam. And Adam's hiding. And I know we kind of joke, li- listen to that, and you think, wait a minute, you can't hide from God. But we do it, right? Just kind of turn him down, turn him off. Don't think about him. The beauty of that story and the sad part about the story is God intends to walk with every one of us. And as you shut him out and do things that separate you in the relationship, he will walk and call your name, your name, individually. Not your wife only. I mean, he calls your wife too. I didn't want to leave it there. He calls you, your name. He comes looking for each of us. He created us for relationship. Last week, if you missed that sermon, you can catch it on our website, but... I talked a long time about the fact that God exists in relationship. 
And one of the first things he did was create the relationship with mankind because it's what he wanted. He wanted that relationship. And he put his image in each and every one of us. We all have a mind. We have a consciousness. We have a self-awareness. There's only a couple animals in the entire animal kingdom that we think are at least a little bit self-aware, meaning that they recognize, for instance, themselves in their reflection. No other animals, though, have what we have. The ability to know right and wrong. The, the sense of morality that is in each and every single human being. Those concepts are one of the things that naturalism falls short because they can't explain. How do you get from, from purposeless materialism and random chance to a mind that thinks and has consciousness and has morality? God put it there. He put it there. And he gave us a choice and a free will. Something that, that we, we have and you hopefully are using it correctly. The sad part is God put his image in us. And then what we did, starting even in the garden, and every one of us does this. Where then we take that and we try to put God now in our image. The fact is, we all try to create a God we want to serve that is easier to serve. Or somebody that, that will let us buy with things that we think we should be able to do. Where we can decide our own truth or identify as this or rationalize our decisions. We compare each other instead of comparing each other to God's standard. Years ago, there's, there's this, you, you may have seen Ray Comfort on, on TV. He's, he's, he's such a sharp guy. He's from New Zealand and really witty and quick. And when I lived in the L.A. area, sometimes we used to go with him down uh, witnessing on, on Third Street Promenade or Santa Monica. He has a system, what he does. He'll walk up to a complete stranger and he'll just talk to him and as he's talking to him, he'll say something like this. If there was a God, because most people are willing to consider at least that, would he let you into his heaven? Almost every single person says yes. And then he asks them why. Why would he let you in? And almost every single person says, Cause, well, I'm pretty good. And then he, he just drills in. He, he just keeps going. And he'll say, well, good, good by what standard? I mean, compared to what? And automatically, almost everybody says, well, compared to this person or that or this or that. And we do it the same thing. We compare ourselves to the wrong things. The fact is, the only comparison that ever matters is him. And he created us for this relationship. And he wants us to meet that standard. And he knows that we can't, so he makes a way to help us do it. He loves us that much that he wants that connection. People try so many ways to get around that. It's sad, really, because as, as, as I think Augustine was one of the first to point this out, that God has created us with, with really a void and a, a hole that only he can fill. People try to fill it. They create these religions or ways to work themselves to God, whether they're secular or religious. I mean, they, they do the same thing. They're all the same. They have a goal that's higher than themselves, requirements, sacraments, approved ideas, ways you can make the world better. You have approved people, priests, prophets, whoever. You've got to believe the right things. It doesn't matter if it's communism or humanism or naturalism or whatever it is. It just elevates man. And what's sad is really it always ends up being this. They elevate something created, whether it's the world, the earth, another person. To get around elevating God. 
I can't imagine what he really feels like. The closest we can come is as a parent, right? And he uses that example so often in Scripture. As a parent, we love our children. We, we would do anything for them. And you want this relationship with them, and you want it reciprocal. And then there's times where there's problems or whatever, and you, you, you hurt inside, and you want the best. And you want them to do what's right. And if you see them doing something wrong, it breaks your heart. And you want them to change. For them, the best thing, the best thing could be for them. That's what you want. And a relationship with God as he designed it is the only thing that will fill that longing. People try to fill it with all sorts of things. They fill the void with things. Some people just feel like if they have more things or if it's shopping or online. I can't, you know, online shopping is crazy. I mean, people just, they, if it, one more thing. Or maybe it's a hobby or certain distractions. Or for some people, you know, the power and the money and the greed and the sex. Those things ultimately will leave them feeling empty. Then some people just have to numb that pain. In the book of Ecclesiastes, this is the New Living Translation. In chapter 3 it says, Yet God made everything beautiful in its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. One of the things I love about that Bible app is you can then choose different versions and just compare how they're worded. Something that's really interesting sometimes is to take the amplified version. And what it does is it, it takes a word that maybe in this, in this case it would have been in Hebrew and then it expands the meaning out. So it can be, it can be awkward if you're reading you know, like a whole chapter or something, but listen to this in the amplified. He has made everything beautiful and appropriate in its time. He has also planted eternity... What that means is a sense of divine purpose. A sense of divine purpose in the human heart. A mysterious longing which nothing under the sun can satisfy except God. Yet man cannot find out or comprehend or grasp what God has done, his overall plan from the beginning to end. What's sad is he's given it to us and he's told us, I want relationship with you. And what's sad is some people, just because of whatever their nature or whatever they've done, either they're, they just don't feel like they can do it. It almost reminds me of, have any of you had one of those kids that just fought sleep? Do you remember what that was like? They're so tired and they're crying and they're cranky and you're just like, if you would just fall asleep, it would be the best thing for you. But they can't see it and they don't know it and so they struggle against it and fight. And you just want them just sleep and you'll be fine. You'll be happy. You'll be content. They fight it. It's sad. It's the best thing. But the rebellion, whatever it is, is deep and strong. Let me ask you a simple question, but it's kind of rhetorical. Just think about this. How do you connect with God? How do you do it? How are you doing it now? What I want to convince you of today is for you to put some new wine in, an old, in a new wineskin. <laughs> I almost said old. I want you to try something new. First step of anything is you have to choose to do it. As much as I want this for you, I can't want it for you. I can't make it happen for you. Anybody ever help your kid with their homework? Too much? <laughs> you can't do it for them. You can't do this for your kids. But really, it's about you. I can't do it for you. You have to want this. 
You know, God woos us. He, he calls to us. He, 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 he calls to us over and over and over in so many ways. He's calling you today through these words. He calls to you through sunrises and sunsets and moments in your life where you know something just happened and that was a blessing from God. He calls to you in still, quiet voice in the recesses of your mind. He calls to you over and over and over. But you have to want it. You, I heard this when I was a kid, and I've never th- forgot about this, but he has no grandkids. You don't get in because your parents are in, or someone you know, or a family member, or a friend. He wants you. You directly you. That's what he wants. I think of that, that, the fact that when Christ was crucified, one of the amazing, miraculous things that happened is... In the Jewish temple, there was, there was this section where only the high priest could go once a year. And in that section of the temple, it was sectioned off from everybody. Only one person went in once a year. And when they went in there, what they did is they communed with God, and they put sacrifice, they put blood right there for the sins of the entire nation. Once a year. God was not, that's not his ultimate plan. That was his plan for a time, but when Christ was died on the cross, he became that sacrifice once for all. And God tore the curtain from top to bottom. They say that in Herod's temple, it was probably close to 60 feet high. And that curtain, they estimate, was about four inches thick. People have said, why was it so thick? Well, because what they worried about is somebody tripped and they didn't want anybody to fall in there because only one person could go in. But when God divided that and separated that, what that meant is we all have direct access You don't have to go through a priest. In fact, you can't. You can't go through me as a minister or anybody else. You alone have to walk in. You have to want to. You have to want be the one to want to do it. It's your relationship. I I think about all these things that go through my mind. I think about, um, you know, how do you do that? Here's what you do. You want that relationship. There are simple things you do. You spend time with him. Just like your human relationships. You talk to him. Just like your human relationships. You read about him. Because that's him telling about himself. You do that. You choose to spend time and work on that relationship. I I wrote this in my notes. I wish I could tell you some clever story that would make you all cry right now and want that. But I, I don't like emotional manipulation. I just don't like it. I think it's wrong. I wish, I wish I could tell you something that would make you all say, yes, I want it, and then you would, it would be changed forever. So I was praying about this. I was looking out in my backyard, and I saw our fire pit out there. And I think about most of us have been around a fire pit or a fire campground or beach or something, right? You know how it works. You build a fire. You put the word there. You stack it up. You put the, the smaller wood in. You try to lie it. You, you add lighter fluid. Just kidding. Then the fire comes up and you get a big fire. It's warm. You enjoy the warmth from it. And then sometimes it gets too warm, so what do you do? You move away a little bit. You gotta move your chair. Or you gotta anybody ever melted your shoe or something? It's your feet resting up there and some steaming or smoking, and you're like, oh. Because you're too close, right? Can you be too close to God? I mean, really? 
Because his fire will warm you. It will purify you. Just like fire, it will change you. But then what happens? You're, you're enjoying the fire and you, maybe you're talking too much and nobody's paying attention to it. And what starts to happen? First, the flames start to go down. Then what was once hot red embers start to turn cold, dark, and then white with ash. And what happens? You scoot a little closer. Then if you don't do anything, it goes out. My question for you today, do you rekindle that? Do you, do you start it up again? To keep a fire going, you, you have to maintain it. You have to work at it. I know I've told you this before. And some of you think I'm irresponsible. You guys, who else in here has run up a down escalator? Come on, be honest. All right, they're my people right there. Right? If you've never done it, you can imagine how this works. I'll just tell you so you don't have to do it. It goes at a walking speed. I don't, that's just the speed that's safe, I guess. Because that way when you hit the ground, you can just walk right off. That's the speed it goes. So if you walk up the stairs, guess what? You don't go anywhere. If you were to run and get right in the middle and then just walk at a normal place upstairs, you will stay right there. I think that's one of the most beautiful, true pictures of the Christian life. If you do nothing, you go nowhere. In fact, what ends up happening is you go down. You have to work at this. And I know some people, they think, what? I, can't, I mean, isn't it enough that just that I believe? That's a beginning. But you need to grow. You need to put some new wine in a new wineskin and decide to change. But the question comes down, do you want this? Do you want more of God or not? Because he's there and he's ready for more of you. It's just up to you. And just like the fire, you can let that relationship go cold or you can rekindle it. Or even better, you could keep putting wood on the fire. There's different ways to grow in this relationship. And you can do different things and try new things. You can do things that maybe you've never done before that would ignite a new, a new piece in the relationship that you have with him. <laughs> He's the same God. He never changes. He's always there, always pursuing you, always ready to receive you. That's one of the things that blows my mind the most, and I know we all struggle with this. When I make mistakes or I do things, I think, God, again, I'm sorry. I've got to ask for forgiveness again. I've got to walk this way again. And he says, yeah, I know. And he accepts you back. The thing is, God never grows cold. We do. This is going to sound harsh, but I'm just going to be really plain. We get lazy. I don't use that term very much. That was a mean thing to say when I was growing up. When I worked construction, I remember the boss one day said something to, like that to one of the guys. And I saw how it affected his heart and his countenance. He was crushed. He just said, what are you, lazy? And I was thinking about that and thinking about, we, we get lazy, complacent. We just stop trying to connect. And it happens for a lot of reasons. And I'm not going to make excuses. I mean, it's just true, but maybe your feelings get hurt. Maybe, maybe God didn't move as quick as you wanted. Maybe you prayed for something and it didn't happen the way you thought it should happen, when it should happen. And because of that, there ends up being just a little bit of a separation there. Maybe there's a tragedy in your life and you're angry at him. We just stop praying. We stop reading. 
And I know prayer is difficult. I, I know it. It's inconvenient, right? And there's times where you're praying and you feel like maybe your prayers don't pass the ceiling or maybe there's, it would help if he, you could hear him talk back or maybe you just get too busy or maybe it just gets stale and you're doing the same thing over and over and over. The author of the message, Eugene Peterson, I, I'm reading a book by him and it's really challenging. One of his quotes that I just copied out said this. One of the reasons people don't pray is that people are not comfortable with God in their lives. I just thought, wow, ouch, that's painful to hear. They prefer, listen, they prefer something less awesome and more informal. And so it happens that without anyone actually intending it, prayer is pushed to the sidelines. He says later in the book, he says, it's the most real thing we can do in a day. And we put it off and sideline it to just if I have time or we forget and we just go on. It's the more, most real thing you can do in a day. I know for some of you, that's a whole disconnect. You're like, wait a minute. It's, I, I, go to, I go to school or I've got a job or I do this. And yeah, I know. But this is the most real thing you can do. I think we're, we're lulled into this weird thing where we think this is real life and this is all there is. When you're going to live for eternity and actually the eternal spirit world is actually more and we will look back on this as a memory. It's the most real thing you're going to do in a day. <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here and I put ouch right in my paper here. If it doesn't feel like that, then you're doing it wrong i got to be honest, it doesn't always feel like that. But maybe you should pray until it does. Maybe it should have the priority that it would feel like that. Maybe you should pray anyway. Maybe you should pray until something actually happens. We used to call that praying through. Maybe you should sacrifice time and pray. You know, there's habits that we create, and we walk in and out of habits. They say it takes 21 repeated days to create a habit. You can end a habit in just minutes. And for us, a lot of times, it's a a habit. If you create a habit of prayer with Him, it'll carry you through those times when you're tired and you don't feel like it or or you're not seeing the changes you want to see. And that as you pray and maintain that habit, it will change your life. I know some of you are like, well, how do you do it? I don't even know what to do. There's so many great little tools, and they're in your notes, but just really quickly, I was just thinking of these off the top of my head. I remember when the first time I saw this little acronym called ACTS, you know, like in the Bible, ACTS, A-C-T-S, where you start off with adoration, and then a time of confession. Adoration means praising God, just worshiping, like what we were doing a few minutes ago. Then confession. For some of you, that will take less time than others. (laughs) Then we just thank Him. Thank him, thank him, thank him. Remember that song, Count Your Blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done. We don't do that enough. When you start thanking him for the things he's done, it's amazing the, the gratitude that just wells up inside. I'm like, God, you are so good. And then the S would be supplication, which is just another word for asking God for things. I remember as a kid hearing this joy, Jesus, others, you. 
focus on Jesus, focus on others, then focus on you. I shared this thing. It was a corny thing I started doing, I don't know, a long time ago. But I wanted different ways. Because it's, this is work and we want to do it right. And, and I, want to, I want to maintain this level of relationship. So I, I thought about, like, well, God, I, I'm running out of things to praise you for. And I, this idea popped in my head. Well, I, I'll, I'll praise him through the alphabet. So I thought of something that started with an A. I've told you this before. It's corny maybe, but God's almighty. And he's awesome. It's all powerful. Then I went to B, and he's beautiful and bountiful, and whatever comes to mind. And then I thought, I can't be the first one to think of it because I'm not that smart. And uh, funny, I Googled that, and of course, there's a whole website that does that with way more letter words than I could think of. He's cosmic. He's the creator. He's Christ. He's the coming one. He's, the, he's our deliverer. He's my delight. He's everlasting. He's eternal. He's the Father, the forgiver. He's good. He's good. And as I go through that, it's amazing the words that come and the things I think of and that aren't even, don't fit the words right, but it doesn't matter at that point because I'm praising him. Go through the whole thing. Sometimes I'll go through it backward just because. I, I remember talking to younger people and they're just like, I, I, I feel like I pray and I'm done in like a minute. I don't know what else to say. And I hesitate to say it this way, but if that's true, you're not, you're not doing it right. I, I don't know about you, but as I pray and I think about my family and I pray for my wife and my kids multiple times in the day and pray for my mom and my sister and her family and nieces and nephews and extended family and I have an uncle that's battling cancer and we pray for him. And, and as I pray for the church and the staff and wives and families and the board and their families and leaders and people in the church that I know are ill and different ones of you that God puts on my heart and mind and Sometimes I text you, sometimes I don't. Just then you praying. How could you not pray for the government in these days? And I, you know, I, I'm, I feel so convicted. I should have been praying for the government like I do now my entire life. Pray for our world and the lost and missionaries. You can't hardly even say that stuff in a few minutes, let alone pray for it. I want you to feel like you want to do that. You know what sometimes I pray for you? That when you pray, that God's presence will be so strong that you can't stop praying. Because I know how it is when you're praying and it's dry and you feel like, I, I, I just can't do this much more. And He is real. It's the most real part of your day. And when you spend time in the Word, when you, I had someone once, <clears throat> I was, we were doing a class on, on sharing your faith and they were talking about the power of having somebody actually read the verses we share right out of the Bible. There's something about it when you see it right in there. And this person said it like this. They said, it's a spiritual book. Now, don't be offended. Just hold on for a second. This is what they said. It's almost magical. And I kind of looked at them like, uh, I don't. And then it hit me what they were talking about. This is the word of God. It's his revelation of who he is to us. It is like that. It is more than just a book. And I feel like a lot of times, you know, 21st century Americans, we probably have more Bibles than you can even count. It's the most printed book in all history. It's also the most stolen book in all history. I don't understand that part, but it is. I'll never forget being in Russia in 92, and we took some students there, and a, a man came up and showed us his one page of the book of John that he had saved. One page. From through all the, the revolution and the 
communists and all that. One page is all he had. And we were handing out Bibles. And he had followed us from, from the auditorium where we were doing uh, crusades. And it was, we were worried. I, I, you know, I had students, and so I was worried, like, who is this guy? Why is he following us? And so I talked to one of the interpreters. They didn't want to stop. And I said, well, i got to figure out why he's back there. And that's what it was. He wanted to know if we had one more Bible. And I remember thinking that day, I want to appreciate my Bible like he does. It's, it's amazing that God would speak to us like that. That's why I push a reading plan, because it gives you a form to keep going. But it doesn't end there. What I pray for you is that you will want to dig in deeper and deeper and deeper. Someone asked me before church today, when can we get back to our Wednesday classes? Because there's things I read, and I want more. I want to know more about it. I want to know more about what this means. And he gave me a couple examples, and I thought, yes, yes, you're on the right track. To actually study it and use it at a devotional time. But it doesn't even end there. The time that you think about God and meditate on his word and what it means. Do you want to connect with God in a new way? I want you to. I want you to thirst and hunger for that. Do you want to connect with others in a deeper way? How do you do that? You know how you do it? The same way. It's funny, isn't it? It's not that much different. It's it's funny how all these things in the spirit world really reflect into the physical world. You want to connect with other people? It works the same. You spend time. You want to. If you don't want to, you won't. Don't worry about it. You won't. (laughs) It's true. And as much as I want you to connect, you won't unless you want to. And you do it the same way. It takes time. And you, you, honestly, one of the best ways to connect with people is to start praying for them. When you pray for them, God puts them on your heart in a way that that transcends everything. It was his plan from the beginning. Look at what he did with Adam and Eve. Why did he put man and woman together that way? I know, ladies, your lives would be way easier without us. I know that. You could figure a way to open the jars and stuff. Why did God do that? Why did he set up that covenant marriage relationship? I think he did it for a lot of reasons. One is he needed us to see how we complement one another and the, 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 all the gifts and the talents and the beauty of women and the gifts and talents and the handsomeness of men and how that goes together and fits and how we complement each other and we work through life together and we need each other and we civilize each other and change each other. But it's more than that. It's the fact that we needed to learn what it meant to be selfless and to think about the other person first about how we need to give to each other and to trust and to support each other. And then that grows into a community, which grows into what Christ said here with his church. Think about what Jesus said. Jesus quoted Matthew, and they they were talking to him about, about relationships, and he said, haven't you read the scriptures? They record that from the beginning God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. 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 Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. That's a beautiful thing. And it's a picture of the relationship that he wants. Of course, that special relationship, but he wants that relationship with everybody, the family, society, and his church, his called out ones. So how do you do that? You spend time and effort. You change your habits. You get out of your comfort zones. You're already doing a lot of it. You come to church, you're here. You're online. You are here. 
you're together. But it's more than that. That's why we've been emphasizing connect groups as a church. And one of the reasons why I believe that's what God wants for us during this time that we're living in. It's a weird time. But I think if anything, it's taught us that we need each other more than ever. Some of you introverts are like, no, I'm cool. I've, been, I've enjoyed being home. I get it. Maybe, maybe you've tried before and you're thinking, okay, pastor, I was with you until you said the connect group thing and getting to know other people. I, I don't know. I've been hurt. I understand that. I've been hurt too. And it's a risk. And when you're hurt, you step back and you think, I'm not sure I want to do that again or be hurt again. The thing is, what he's calling us to is to get out of that. Maybe you say, well, the hypocrites, you know, they just talk about each other. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on that list too. I'm there. I'm one of those guys. Not sure you'll be accepted. You know what? Maybe you're the one that needs to do the accepting. Maybe you don't fit in. Maybe you're the one that help, needs to help people fit in. The fact is, he wants this to happen. I never saw this passage we're going to read right now this way. And I'm going to break one of the big rules of public speaking. We're going to read a chapter in the Bible. But here's why. I never saw what I saw preparing for the sermon in this chapter before. I went to this chapter because this is one of the places where Paul, in, in, here in the book of Romans, he does it again in Corinthians, but where he talks about the body of Christ having different parts. And I kept reading this chapter over and over and what I kept seeing in this new way. And this is one of the things when you read the Bible this way, when you're, you feel like God is talking to you about something and then you read a chapter in a way that's different, not just a verse or two, but the chapter. And what I want you to see is if what you see what I saw when it talks about connecting people and some of the ways that works. So this chapter 12, it says, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world who, who cancel each other and won't talk to each other and don't forgive. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Think about this in relationship of context of community. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part is a special function, so it is with Christ's body. And we are many parts of one body and all belong to each other. He's talking about us, the connecting part. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing different things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If his gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage each other, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. If... And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Here, connect. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine infection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Do you see how this fits the church? And be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. I always thought of that as outside the church. He's talking about us. 
Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people like me. And don't think you know it all. Why does he have to say that twice to us? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will repay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So how do we accomplish what God has called us to do? You have to decide. I'm going to ask Pastor Nick to come up here. And I want, I'm going to ask you to do this. Even if you're at home watching at home, you here, just want you to shut your eyes for a second. I feel like as I have been sharing this, there's different parts that God has quickened to my heart and mind. He does that. There's different things where he says, this is you. You need to listen right now. For some of you, you need to do something, new wine and new wineskins in your relationship with God. Maybe it's a new way that to, for you to spend time in prayer. Maybe it's starting time in prayer. And maybe you need to write some things down and some of the things that I put in your notes would help you. Maybe you have a list that you pray through. Maybe it's just the fact that you're going to spend time till it feels real. And you're committed to that. And you tell God, look, I know you're real. And I haven't been doing this part the way I should. And I want more of you. Do you want that? Do you want it? Maybe for you, reading the Bible has gotten dry. and You can join our, our Bible reading plan. The link is in your notes. You can easily do that. But more than that, maybe for you, as I read that entire chapter, you've never read the entire chapter of any book in the Bible before. And I'm not saying that to shame anybody or mock you. I'm saying there is something powerful about doing that. Because they wrote them all as one letter. This was a letter that Paul wrote. It was meant to be read all at the same time. Now, Romans is longer. It's, it's a challenge to read the whole thing. But maybe God's calling you to that. There are people in this church that just blow me away. The memorization they do. There's a lady in her church. She memorizes entire books of the Bible. God is calling you to relationship with him. Some of you, when we pray up here today, maybe you need prayer for that. You are here today and you're saying, I want this. I just need his help. Guess what? He helps you. For some of you, it's about that connection with other people. He's called us to connect. Maybe there's something that you need us, maybe up here to pray for that's going to help you get past something. We want to do that with you. Maybe you're here online and as I'm talking about these things, these are things you're struggling with. You can let us know that. And if you don't feel comfortable putting it publicly in the chat, you can email the church. Very, very simple. You can email prayer at crownpointchurch.com. Make sure and put an E on point. I'm going to have you stand for a minute. Those of you who are part of our prayer team, the board, also the board, staff, wives, and husbands, if you are here and available to pray. We want you to come down front. We're going to end the service with some prayer time here. <clears throat> As we do that, I want to close in prayer with you. But if, you are, if you're going to help us pray, if you come forward, and if you feel like there's one of those things that you would like prayer for, I want you to come now. Don't wait. Just come now, and we will pray with you. So if any one of those things, if you need a closer connection, 
If you feel like you have been struggling and there's a block in that, you want victory over that. If you are struggling in relationship issues and you need prayer, it can be anything. If you want prayer for healing, if you feel like you are ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit and you want us to pray with you for that, we will pray for that. But I'm going to close the rest of this time in prayer. You're free to come and pray. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for us. For us as a church, for those who have been struggling to get close to you and God, my prayer this morning is that when they pray, that you would meet them and they would sense and feel your presence in a new way. When they open your word, God, that you would literally, the the words would leap off the page into their hearts and minds. That you would guide and direct them and all the synapses of their brain would be firing where you are speaking to them and showing them things that they never heard or thought before. God, we want a deeper relationship with you and I want it to start today in Jesus' name. You're welcome to leave if you are are ready to leave, but if you want to stay and pray, we want to pray with you. So God bless you.